Welcome into the Tighten Up Podcast on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. I'm Jack Gentry. Next to my partner, Austin Huff. You can find us both on Twitter. I'm at Jack A. Gentry. He is at Austin Huff. We are your hosts of the Tighten Up Podcast. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Tighten Up Pod and on Instagram at Tighten Up Podcast. We are under the umbrella of the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. So go give the A to Z Sports accounts a follow on not only Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And now if Jack and I sound extremely excited and all hyped up, it's because we're recording this immediately after the Predators massive win. And honestly, obviously as, as Jack and I are both Nashville natives grew up in the area, we are as much of we are Titans fans. We are Preds fans. So we're hyped up on that. It's also because I'm hopped up on a Dunkin' iced coffee, but also we're hyped up because uh, we have a very special sode coming your way today. Bernard, Pollard at Crushboy31, the freaking legend, is is on the podcast today. He is incredible. Like it, the the interview we did with him is is phenomenal. He tells incredible stories. He gives great insight, and he you know he may ruffle a few feathers as Bernard Pollard is known to do. So right. you guys will really enjoy our talk with him. I'm stoked for it. Yeah, the, guys, I, I promise you that this is the best interview you will hear this week. This is the best interview we've had on the podcast. He pulls no punches. Uh, we, we talk a little Vic Beasley. We talk whether or not Taylor Lewan's the right leader for this team, um, amongst many other things, his inventions, his, his yeah. at Purdue. I mean, the <laughs> Patriot killer. There's so much we cover with him. I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. Yeah, you better watch your kneecaps because he's coming for them. <laughs> All right. So great interview coming up. Uh, but also, we've got some, a lot of other fun stuff in this sode as well. We, uh, we're we going to chase that interview, that really exciting and intense interview with some exciting talk about kickers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> look, I promise you. I know. I know. Talking kickers is not the most exciting thing you do on a football podcast, but we're going to make it exciting, or at least we're going to try to. I don't know. It, look, it, it needs to be talked about. We need to have that conversation. It's time Jack and I sit you guys down as Titans fans and say, look, let's we have to talk the kicker position because the Titans need one. Let's talk kickers. We're also going to get to <laughs> Isaiah Wilson's appearance on Busting with the Boys and his recruitment process that we find a little funny. We're going to tell you guys that story as well. Yeah. So after the interview, you got to stick around for a little bit. Yeah, and uh, and and maybe even some more fun too as well. So, but you're just going to have to tune in for that. With you know what, I don't. Let's just stop talking about. Let's just go ahead and get to the podcast itself. With that said, let's talk tight. I hear the train a coming. It's rolling around the bend, and I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. What is up, Flameheads? Welcome into the Tighten Up Podcast. Today is August 5th, 2020. And this podcast, in the words of iTunes username KingLewis30S, quote, needs to be dropped. <laughs> Look, Jack, I don't know about you, but I never thought cancel culture would waste its time with us, but it appears it has. Yeah, every dog has its day, right? I <laughs> See, I, I was asked this question what what are the so I, I mean i guess like just observing cancel culture in itself what are the the well the, the cons are clear okay you're canceled you yeah. no one wants anything to do with you right you need to be dropped what are the pros maybe you make a headline or two maybe you gain some more followers so hey right this could backfire on king lewis and and, and you know uh, it could help the podcast 
Yeah. Any pub is good pub is what they say. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just got to read that. I just want to read this comment, uh, that he dropped. We got on our podcast feed, please leave a rating, uh, five-star review, leave us, give us a comment. Let us know what you think about the podcast as you guys have done before in the past. Remember our, our good buddy, six one five McCann, who just completely roasted us on oh. the comments. But then we had a lot of Tuppers come into our defense, which was awesome. But let me read you this full comment from King Lewis 30S. And the subject of the comment is bad content. <laughs> and he, and the, <laughs> the comment reads, just dropping my two cents. I think the Tighten Up podcast needs to be dropped. They get a full week to prepare for the pod, and then they go on and spent 45 minutes rambling on about stupid things. Let me stop the comment right there. <laughs> all right. First of all, that's not true. Okay. Our podcasts are usually an hour. So it's really 60 minutes rambling on about stupid things. This guy thinks we're the Ken Wisenhunt of podcasts. You have a full week to prepare for the team. And for 45 minutes of the game, you just sit around twiddling your, twiddling your thumbs till the other team goes up three touchdowns. Like, so I guess he thinks 15 minutes of our podcast is, is pretty good, but like <laughs> he gave us five stars. So he, right. might, he must think that 15 minutes is pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. I, I just, I just can't remember the last podcast we had where we had 15 minutes of actual content, uh, good content, but, uh, he continues the comment. I'm not trying to be a hater. Okay. Uh, well, uh, could have fooled me on that one there, <laughs> Lewis. Um, but he continues, I'm not trying to be a hater. Maybe if their pod was a separate entity, I would listen. But this is under A to Z network. And so I expect A to Z quality content. And these two morons really <laughs> just aren't that. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What was all this not trying to be a hater talk? Where did that go? <laughs> yeah, King, King Lewis thinks he's on the fence about whether or not uh, he really hates this. but. Yeah, so with okay, I'll give them this. As a separate, we are kind of a separate entity from A to Z and everything they do. Um, mainly just because our podcast is a little more laid back than usual. But uh, Buck Rising, great, great job with uh, six one five sessions and everything he does with the Titans. Um, he he gives you kind of the download. He's in the building. He gives you the inside information. Whereas we kind of are around the stadium. We we are a little outside the bubble. And yeah. uh, we, we kind of give you the outsider, the sidewalk fans perspective on the team. <laughs> well, and for some of us, uh, cough me, cough, uh, who's in St. Louis, extremely outside the bubble. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah. Now, look, I'm not, I'm not here to knock, uh, what is it, King Lewis 30S? 30s, not trying to be King, haters, King Lewis. Look, I'm not here to knock him. He's incredibly, he, he couldn't be more on the nose by calling us two morons. So, uh, but... He, he he ends the comment by saying this. There's certain YouTubers that have way less resources but deliver way better quality content. Okay, first of all, did Jake Paul write this? Is that yeah, who? King Lewis 30S? Damn TikToker found his way to our podcast. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, like, clearly King Lewis 30S has a YouTube channel that he's trying to plug here. <laughs> he's probably like, hey, guys, this podcast sucks. If you want real Titans talk come to my come subscribe to my my channel and make sure you hit the bell so you get notified every time a new video comes up <laughs> like that's that's what king lewis is doing right now and then he, he he concludes the comment by saying step your game up and then hits us with the shrug emoji that's that's mean girl level stuff right there 
To me, well, anyone who who ends a comment with a with an emoji, any kind of emoji, like you know, is just a a credible and very serious source. But yeah, but with all that said, as you mentioned, five star rating. So so thank you. All that matters. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but thanks, thanks for the feedback, King Lewis Thirty S. Uh, but yes, you're right. Let's we need to get to the sode. We've got important things to talk about, and no, nothing more important than the way we kick off every sode with a very important JD Watch 2020. So I'm going to send it down to my colleague, the aforementioned, the guy you already heard from, Jack Gentry, for more on JD Watch 2020. Uh, Jack, what you got for us? So last week we announced that Clowny Watch would be no more because obviously Mike Vrabel refers to him as JD. So now we do as well. We want to do what Mike Vrabel does. So, right. so this week, JD Watch continues. So we have yet to hear from JD. It, there, there's been no real news breaking. Um, the, the 49ers are reportedly interested but have no money to be really actually interested. So we'll see how that plays out. The Giants um, ju- just cut or Nate Soldier, their expensive tackle, opted out. So now they have a lot of money that they can they can play around with. And Jadavian Clowney has been rumored uh, up there. But I don't see that really panning out. I don't think Joe Judge, a first-year head coach, wants to take on the big – just the potential basket case – that, that Clowney could bring up to New York. So that's just, that's just right. where I stand, yes. but officially no new Clowney news. Right. But we, we want that. We want the potential basket case that Clowney presents. We want oh, it yeah. like full on. We've we've already got one and that's big Beasley. <laughs> I think if we bring in two basket cases, they'll just play off each other, you know? Right. Which uh, I'm glad you brought him up because now that sends us to the next part of our show. I'm going to go ahead and send it down to my colleague, Jack Gentry for the latest on Vic Beasley watch 2020. Jack, what you got for us? Interesting. This is a new watch that we have. Uh, unfortunately, it's, <laughs> it's much better I, once, once players are in the building. But yes, I, no, we are watching this one particular player because bef- well, he's before not- you give the before you give the update, I I just got to add. I'm I don't want to add any more watches. I'm I'm kind of we have Gaskowski watches. We have Gaskowski watch too, which we can get to later. But, <laughs> yeah, but right. No, right. Vic Beasley watch continues. It's day eight. Uh, if you're listening on Wednesday, it's day nine. Four hundred thousand dollars has been fined to, to Vic Beasley, which is in eight days, a ton of money. Uh, a bunch of people struggle to make that in eight years. So Vic Beasley, <laughs> you're not making very many fans around town. Um, but yeah, it continues. Robinson said we'd hear from him in the near future. He, he'd be in the building in the near future. What do you, I feel, I feel like eight days is we're, we're in the intermediate future. You know, we are not, we are not right. in the near future. We are not in the, you know, far away future, but we're kind of in the intermediate future when it comes to Beasley watch. Yeah. Right. Like eight days. That's a, that's a long time. That's a week. According to the Beatles. Look, if I, and I heard the report that there was a death in his family, um, which if, if that be the case, look, I, I, I wish him all the best and all the healing, man. Like that's, that's tough. I recently had a death in my family. I know, like it, it, that's a tough thing to get to, no matter who it is, whether you know someone that's been ailing for years or not. It anytime there's a death in anyone's family, it, it's tough. Now, with that said, it doesn't 
even with that, it doesn't excuse the fact that you don't notify your employer or at least give a heads up to people, especially when you're expected to report by a certain day. It's just irresponsibility. The two can go hand in hand. I, I wish him the best with with the the pain and the grief that he's he may be going through with with the death. But you also need to be responsible when it comes to your your job, no matter what your job is. Um, but yeah, when, especially when, in football, when, with with the report date. Wouldn't you think he he would want to kind of show a different side of him after the way things panned out in Atlanta? One of the few times you ever see a sports franchise break their own news that they are not even pursuing contract negotiations yeah. with this guy. They were so sick and tired of him in Atlanta and in his inconsistencies and whether or not he'd show up to play one week or another, you would think he'd want to start off on the best foot possible in Tennessee. That doesn't seem to be the case right now. We'll see how it progresses throughout training camp. And Bernard Pollard kind of touched on this as well. You, the Titans knew what they were signing up for here. So it, yeah. it doesn't come as a, a crazy surprise. It's, this isn't completely out of his character to do such a thing. Um, it's just disappointing when you spend that much money on yeah. a one-year deal in a position you last, really need to, to, to fix up. Yeah, no, you're right. And last thing I'll add is just that it, regardless of how it ended in Atlanta, you always want to make a good first impression with no matter what team you sign with. And this is I mean, to put it bluntly, this is not it. So um, I wish the best for Vic, and I hope things get resolved, and I hope he shows up and and he just goes out and he, and he balls out this season. That's what I hope. I, I don't have any ill will. Like I'm, I'm frustrated, as I'm sure many Titans fans are, and and I'm sure the Titans are. He's still a decent player, or at least you know he has been. He has shown flashes of greatness. I hope that greatness comes this year. And he he puts it on the field because I, I can put this all behind him if he shows up and he balls out and proves to be a leader in the uh, locker room. But mm-hmm. um, speaking of leaders in the locker room, the reason probably I'm sure many of you are here, the Bernard Pollard interview, and it is a good one. It's one of our favorite interviews we've done. I think, what is this, the third former Titan interview we've done? We had um, Brad Hopkins, Donnie Nicky. And yeah, this is this would be three. <laughs> I still chuckle at the fact that we we got Donnie Nicky on this podcast. He'll be back at some point. Oh, without question, we're getting Donnie Nicky on. It's it's a matter of when, not if. Uh, but with that said, let's get to the Bernard Pollard interview. It was awesome. You're gonna want to listen to this whole thing because he he brings it. Let's get to it. I am so stoked for this week's guest for a number of reasons, but none more than the fact that he was personally my favorite Titan during an era where I did not have a whole lot of favorite Titans. Uh, This guy's tough play and literally just his bring it every day play got me through a lot of dark days of being a Titans fan. He is a former All-American, All-Big Ten Boilermaker, uh, 2006 second-round draft pick, and he is a Super Bowl champion. Uh, Again, not with the Titans, obviously. (laughs) You can find him on Twitter at CrushBoy31, which has to be on the Mount Rushmore of professional athlete Twitter handles. Just phenomenal. He is Fort Wayne's finest, Bernard Carmel Pollard. How are you, Bernard? Dang, bro, you gave my whole government name, man. Hey, 
You know, if you, if you drop the full government, that just that should tell you this the amount of respect that we've got for you. Hey, let's go. Hey, I'm appreciative, man. Uh, man, it's been it's been uh, crazy, and I'm happy I was a, a bright spot in the dark days of uh, yes. of uh, your 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 being a fan uh, for the Titans. <laughs> good, good. Well, you know, Bernard, since this is a Titans uh, podcast, I figured like we just have to start here. Like it's just we have to. Right. Why are you so obsessed with NASCAR? <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's crazy. So as I look at it, a um, I've for thirty five years I have not given that sport a try, and it, it's not to say that my parents were. And I used this in an interview before. I said I wasn't allowed the opportunity to learn about it, and I shouldn't have used that word allowed. Uh, it was just never an opportunity. It was it was never presented to me uh, because we just didn't know about it. And so, growing up in Indiana, I I knew about racing. I knew it was there NASCAR, but I just didn't know about NASCAR. So for me, man, it was uh, just years of hearing it. It wasn't for black people. Hearing uh, they did not invite black people. Hearing it was racist. Hearing. Fans were not welcoming. Just hearing so many of them things. And it's just like now, as I watched, my wife was watching an interview uh, with Bubba Wallace. Like, when I walked by the TV, I was like, oh, snap. So I go, is that a brother? And, you know, and that just, that, that yeah, and that, that intrigued me. Right. But, you know, and I tell people all the time, that intrigued me. That pushed me to watch NASCAR. Now, because I watch NASCAR, am I... Bubba Wallace, I'm Black Lives Matter, I'm pro-black, I don't, no, no, no. Bubba Wallace intrigued me. I enjoy the sport. I watch from start to finish, and to see the strategy, to see the passion, to see how they welcome, the fans have been amazing. NASCAR, you see the direction they're going. Bro, I am hooked, and I, I love it. And now yeah. you're, like, racing in, like, simulators and stuff. I, I got I got my rig behind me, so I literally my my office I cleared out. So I got two <laughs> chairs here, um, my desk, everything's gone. I got my sim, I got my balls, I got my printers over here, and, and uh, dude, I got my TV right here. Literally, I am all in, and I'm having a I'm, I'm having a blast. I am the Black Dale Junior. Yes. It's <laughs> so, Austin, when you introduced him, not only is he a Super Bowl champion, a NASCAR enthusiast, but he's also an inventor, the Style Pro 31. Then, Bernard, I'm not going to lie to you. As a captain of a football team, as a hard-hitting safety guy, people fear across the middle. <laughs> Style Pro 31 does not seem like something I could picture you inventing. <laughs> hey, hey, Jay, bro. So, being in Baltimore, when we were in Baltimore – Everything, like, being on the East Coast, everything was pedestal seats. And so I was just like, look, I was like, man, like, that's crazy. Like, I don't have counter space. And, like, I would cut my own hair every now and again. But then I would talk to people, like, my neighbors and just talk to people. And, and I'm like, yo, does your seat look like this? Like, I mean, because when I went to the East Coast, I never experienced that. And, or before then, I never experienced it. We always had counter space everywhere. So I, I got to thinking about it. When we went on the away games, uh, B.A., uh, Brandon Iamadejo, used to cut his hair uh, before games or cut his hair in the locker room, and he would have his clippers, and they would be falling off the sink, and he broke a couple clippers. And I was like, it's got to be a better way. So when I came up with that, I mean, that was something that I, I had. I, 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 I thought about kind of went through the design phase and everything else, ended up getting rid of it, selling it or whatever. But 
Dude, that was awesome to me. Um, and and dude, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I love being able to see problems, solve them. Um, I, I've always said I don't want to be identified, just identified as a football player. I want to be able to offer so many things. And you hear on the football field or coaches say to uh, players, you know, uh, the more you can do. And so I take that to life, the more that I can do. Um, and so, yeah, that's, yeah, it, it's crazy. Uh, the smart seat trade was, uh, it was awesome. So you're also the like the uh, the Black Thomas Edison as well. <laughs> hey, I'm trying. Hey, I'm trying to make it happen, man. I, I, you know, you give, give me many names, bro. I'm gonna run with. <laughs> Bernard, I'm gonna pick up when when you were in college at Purdue. I'm gonna pick up towards the back end. Okay. So you and the head coach um, butted heads, kind of often. It's fair to say, correct? Um, yeah. I want to get to a, a line that caught my attention that you said to him. Uh, give me my papers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, uh, you said that when you were requesting a transfer or requesting the, the permission to transfer. Yeah. Can you kind of take us through that situation? And did you trademark it? <laughs> I, I didn't. I, I, I didn't. And, and Jay, and I, I do, I got to correct you. So we did not, that was the one argument we, Coach Tiller and I, ever been in. Um, Coach Tiller, how can I say this? He was the first or second first, second white guy to tell me he loved me. Um, he literally, man, like took me under his wing from the first time I, I from when I stepped foot on campus. Uh, I had a, my mentality was, I was gonna be here three years, I was starting as a true freshman and I was going to the draft. Um, so it, because of that, that, what led up to that, it was a steak and bean scrimmage. So in camp, you know, the winner eats steak for the night at training tables and the loser eats beans and cornbread. So <laughs> we that. came, like, we were kicking the offense butt. And the running back ran through the middle. Brandon Jones ran through the middle. 5'11", 235 pounds. I destroyed him. Didn't go, I'm talking about <laughs> hit him, took him straight back. Crush Didn't boy get 31. Exactly. <laughs> Didn't get a yard. And Coach Tiller go, first down. It was fourth and one. And Coach Tiller said, first down. And we all look around like, what? I go, oh, heck no. Like, we got steak. We won. So that's what caused that, man. And, and I hate, I, 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 and I tell people all the time, I am no saint. Um, I hate that I did that. I hate that I reacted that way because that, that destroyed our relationship. Um, from that point to um, literally on his deathbed, that was the last time uh, we didn't talk. Uh, and so we had, what, almost – 12, 11, 12 years between our conversation, uh, conversation between us. And uh, I hate that I did it. I hate that that happened. I apologize. I've repented for it. I've asked for forgiveness. Um, but man, it was, uh, but it was a growing, it, I, it, I grew so much from it, man. So yeah, it was crazy. Now, now Bernard, you've, I, I got to ask this, going, fast forwarding a little bit, kind of going, <laughs> I guess going, uh, what the last dance with it, where we're kind of, uh, bouncing back and forth through your timeline going to your right. pros days now what's the what's the better trophy sitting on your mantle the Lombardi trophy or Tom Brady's ACL and MCL <laughs> oh man <laughs> you know what I, I'm gonna say neither one um I was I remember when I went to Baltimore and one of my, I had a couple teammates come to me when I got to Baltimore and they, and they saw kind of how I worked. They saw, you know, my approach to football, my approach to study and my approach to just life. 
And they were just looking like, dude, how is this your third team? And I was just like, because I, I speak up for people. And I think what I'm so proud of is I was, I've never been that dude to cave in to the system, uh, to disrespect from a coach, a GM, an owner. And some people might say, dude, you stupid, like just fall in line. And well, no, it, it's been a lot. I mean, in Kansas City, um, when I left Kansas City, it was, I was like, the writing was on the wall when Pioli came in. Pioli said, you know, Bernard, what you did to Brady, I'm cutting you. You know, what you did to Brady. He, I was sitting in my locker. He literally came up, walked up when they hired him. He came right to my locker, beeline to me, and said that directly. And I said, okay, cool. Um, so, obviously, with Kansas City, that was the writing on the wall. In Houston, I spoke up for guys. Uh, but we were also going into a, a lockout, uh, if y'all remember correctly, in 2010. After uh, uh, 2010, I had played under a one-year deal and then played under a tender, uh, first-round tender in Houston. Uh, so I went to Baltimore because I wasn't going to sit back and, and listen to the things that were, they were doing. And obviously in Baltimore and in Tennessee, I spoke up. Um, I, 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 guys need to be treated fairly. Uh, people in the organization need to be treated fairly. Um, it's not right to mistreat people. It's not right to mis misuse your players uh, because those are the guys fighting for you. And, and I've said before, fans are ones that deserve a good product on the football field. And I've said that before, playing here in Tennessee, these fans deserve better. They do. I, I mean, better you know, management, better players, better coaching. They deserve better. They deserve a championship. Um, you, you know, this this city deserves that. Um, and so that, I, I think I take that. I, I want that trophy to just not cave in uh, to anything. Yeah. Well, let's, now, talk, I, I, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about that because about a year ago, you did speak out when Delaney Walker voiced his concerns about the team and where they were headed in the locker room. You tweeted, the Titans culture is awful. People dog me for speaking the truth, but you're hearing your leader basically say, we soft and we suck and no one cares. I said it before and I'll say it again. Sell the team. New coach, new GM, the fans deserve better. What was going on? What, what happened there? Because I know the Titans started off one and two, but the season kind of flipped on its head. Do you still think that the Titans culture is that bad? The culture, it's getting better. Um, I don't want to – I don't want people to – misunderstanding. I think we all can see that the team is better. Um, is the team consistent? No. Nah. Uh, are we going to see the same football team we saw last year? Th that's the problem I think a lot of people are kind of looking at. Like, are we going to repeat this performance? Are we going to make that run that we did in the playoffs? It was a special run. They, they got on the back of Henry and allowed him to push them through. I thought what they did as far as waiting to get him signed or not giving him the contract he should have gotten, I thought that was crazy. Um, but I look at, you know, management. Is, is, uh, is the current owner better than what was there? Yes. Um, do I believe that a football mind, a true football mind should be running this organization? Yes. I do think Coach Vrabel is a good coach, but at the same time, we all look at it. There were questionable decisions all year long where if, we, if you think about it, the team lucked up and got wins. You look at the fumble, with, uh, I, I believe it was on a one-yard line, or San Diego. San Diego uh, you look, yeah. at a couple, look at a couple of them games. If, if it doesn't go cra a crazy way, the team is sitting outside of the playoffs. And so you got to look at the decisions that's going on. Uh, I understand Arthur's a first-year OC. Arthur, did a, he did a, a fairly good job, but I thought, you know, 
it's so, it's so predictable what the Titans are doing. And I get it when you're a run-first football team, you know, uh, that's going to be that way. But I thought he could have he could have gotten um, or they should have have gotten the rookie receiver AJ is AJ Brown. Get that get him involved. If too many games where he went catchless with no double coverage, like force feed him the ball. Get that boy going. And so I I, I just think. It should be better um, coaching, better uh, as far as when it comes to drafting the players. Got to get qual better quality players uh, in there uh, that sometimes aren't your Boy Scouts. You know, they might have gotten into a little trouble. But that's why you bring them in. You have a player development guy. You have a football team that can rally behind them and not just guys that bark and have no bite. I, I think that's a I think that's a solid take. And I think you did, you did hit the nail on the head because it is something that we kind of get above our skis a lot of times. And – we, we eat up the, the run that they made in the playoffs, but we also need to remember there were, it wasn't perfect the, the whole way through, even during the, what, the seven game winning streak or whatever, however many it was, like that, that run they went on once Tannehill took over, there was still some bumps and some luck that, that yeah. was caught. Um, now, and, and kind of like how Jack brought up, you, you were outspoken about your time with the Titans. Um, and honestly, personally, I, I've, I've always agreed with you in times because, again, like, like I've alluded to before, those were some dark days during the Titans. And, frankly, it was a, it was a much different culture. It was, I, almost, I almost feel bad for you. I wish you, we could get Bernard Pollard on this new like, version yeah. of the Titans. But I wanted to know, what, what was the most frustrating part about the organization back then? Well, I, 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 think I've, I think I've talked about this before, but, I, you know, I remember when we got it, when I first got here, I remember I had to argue with management and I'm like, I literally got to you guys to put a steam room and a sauna in the facility. Like guys need that. And you go, this is how we take care of our bodies. Um, you got to remember this is professional sports. Guys like to drink. They stay up all night. You pay them a lot of money, and sometimes that money goes to liquor. So the quickest way to get that liquor out your system is a steam room or a sauna. So, you you know, we can't, you know, I just think they were, the Titans organization was so far behind, and so fans can say whatever, players can say whatever, but now players are sitting in a facility with a steam room, a sauna, the right weight uh, room equipment. Like, I remember walking in a weight room in, in Tennessee, and I go, why don't we got so many bands? just literally like we got monkeys around i go why do we got so many bands in here where where's the equipment like how are these guys and, and i mean for me when i watch the film and i'm like how is this team not building how are they not stronger at the end of the year how why does everybody look like noodles at the you know when you get into november and december and it just look like the bands tell me everything you know so it's just like stuff like that and just the mentality of of the players um you know the, the guys guys were checked out in November. And I'm looking like, bro, we got like eight games left. And it's just like, you know, just that bad culture. And it's, it's hard to explain that when fans just say, oh, Bernard just upset. You know, Bernard just mad. Like, it's so much that, and I can't break it all down in, 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 in characters on uh, Twitter. You know, I can't break all that down, but it's just like, you know, until you see that, when you're in a winning organization, when you know what it takes to win, when you know what, it, what, what good management looks like, when you see bad, you're just like, damn, like what? So, yeah. What, what was that transition like going from the – what? Because you went straight from the Ravens to the Titans. Yeah. Obviously, the Ravens were at the, you know, the top of the NFL pile, and then you go to the Tennessee. Was that just, was that just kind of like a, 
almost like smacking you across the head by two by four or something? Well, it, it, so it's, it was funny because that year that Delaney and I came in, obviously we played each other in the Super Bowl. And when you, when he's coming from the 49ers, they're competing every year. We played them uh, the last two or three years in, in games on Thanksgiving, and it was battles. And so he's coming from winning culture. I'm coming from winning culture, winning the Super Bowl. And then we both step into the locker room. I remember me and Delaney used to be like, bro, like, we just – our conversations. And, you know, just the transition was hard because, you know, it was just – you could just tell the players ran – I mean, you didn't have leadership you had players that were outspoken, but they weren't leaders. You had players that were, they, they would lead, but it wouldn't be in a good way. And so, you know, it was just frustrating for me because, you know, for me and Delaney, it's like, okay, well, we're in here trying to change the culture. We're in here trying to lead these guys in the right direction. But when you got two guys against 50 and 51, if we got a 53-man roster, of course we got, you know, the, 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 the practice squad guys, but – when you got 51 other guys that you, they're used to doing it this way, and then you got a coaching staff who are used to doing it a certain way, they're used to losing. They don't know what it's like to battle and to get through adversity. You got management that can't back them up. You got a training staff, and then you got a, 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 a as far as the, the training staff, and then the weight room staff, like they don't know what that's like. So we're literally battling against 51, with 51 other guys, the rest of the organization. I mean, Mr. Bouchardi with the Baltimore Ravens, him and his wife, awesome job. I'm talking about top of the line. When you talk about treatment, when you talk about when you, when you drive up to the castle, when you drive up to the castle in Baltimore, they want players to want to be there. They want players to, to – they, they built it for the player. They want you to feel welcome. Your family's invited. Your kids, babysitters on Friday and Saturday, when, when you come in to relieve the parents, the moms, the girlfriends, whatever it may be, they – they want the kids at the facility. They want you to be there. And it's just like when you go to the Titans facility, like we drive up to this corporate building, and then you got somebody just, you know, it just it was just a, a nasty feel, and you just didn't want to be there. Having leaders is so important, like you mentioned. And on that Ravens team, y'all had so many. You had Ray Lewis, you had Ed Reed yourself, Anquan Bolden, Torrey Smith, uh, a, a Flacco that no one had ever seen before or has seen again. Um, <laughs> But the, hey, don't do don't do my dog like that, Jay. That's my dog. Hey, I, it's okay. It's okay. I'm, I'm sure he'll have a, a big year up in New York. Um, <laughs> but but do you think the Titans, as the roster is currently constructed, have the right leaders in place? Because they just parted ways with Jarrell Casey. Delaney Walker's not coming back. Uh, you look to guys like Taylor Lewan, Malcolm Butler, uh, Kevin Byard, who's still pretty young, kind of lead this team. How, how do you view those guys just as leaders? You know, I was with Taylor his rookie year. I, I, I still say uh, Taylor is just, a, I mean, not to be, he's a loud mouth. He's just a guy who's just loud. He doesn't back up what he says. I mean, I, you know, I, I just, I find it hard to follow him. I, or I find it hard for players to follow him. I know I didn't follow him. Um, I, I, you know, as far with Bayard, I, I like Bayard. I think Bayard's a top safety in the National Football League. Um, my only issue, I think, with, with Bayard is I want to see him in big games. Uh, I want to see him in the run game and in the pass game. I don't want to see if just the ball is in the air, he can go be, you know, the interceptor. Because we all know if the ball is in the air and he's in a facility, he's probably going to come down with it or deflect it. Uh, but I want – I just don't want to hear his name against – you know, the Indianapolis Colts with Jacoby Brissett throwing a ball. 
I want to hear his name when they play in the Baltimore Ravens and, they, and they're running and throwing the ball. I want to hear his name when they're playing, you know, and, and I use this phrase, a lot of people are just like, you know, they're playing a real man. Like, I, I you know, when, I, when they're playing 53 dudes that's going to buck up against the Tennessee Titans, I want to see Bayard lead that team. I want to see him step up in action. And I thought, uh, and I can't, I always forget how to say this name, Veracco. Oh, Vaccaro. Kenny Vaccaro. Vaccaro. I love that cat. And I mean, I'm not saying that nothing against Bayer, but the way this dude approached the game, he's coming downhill. He's stepping up in a passing game, and I like it. And you see him week in and week out. Um, as far as other guys defensively, I, I think they're young. I don't know, you know, I don't know if, you know, Malcolm Butler is a good player, but I don't know if he can be a leader like that. Um, you know, so I, I think it's going to be a guy I thought they should have brought back. And you got, I don't know if you guys agree with me or not, but when you look at Logan Ryans, Logan Ryans should have been back with the Tennessee. He won games for the Tennessee Titans. How do you not, the best, the best nickel corner in the NFL and you let him walk? I'm sorry, man. That, that's crazy to me. You've got to, you've got to pay him or somehow find a way to keep him with the Titans because he's a leader on and off the football field with, with his play. We've got Pastor Bernard Pollard taking us to church right here. Preach. I just preach. I just, I, I like, I'm ready to run through a freaking brick wall right now just after, after that. And again, it goes back to my, my take. I wish so badly we could get Bernard Pollard on this year's Titans team just to see the kind of success that would run rampant. Um, when you were on the Titans, who were the guys that, that, that stood out to you that you knew – week in and week out they were going to bring you if maybe it was just if, i mean it probably was just one guy um because there probably wasn't that many back then but who was like the guy that you knew like okay he's on my level of i i can trust on him like he can hold the rope basically well i mean jason mccourty is, is a brother to me uh him and i are really really cool i love that dude to death uh he was a guy i fought for uh i knew j mac J-Mac didn't know how to win. He, he never experienced winning until, obviously, and I told him before I left, I was like, J-Mac, you're going to fully understand what I'm saying. If you ever leave here and go to a, another winning, te a winning team, you're going to see why I talk the way I talk, why I say or do the things that I do. And so, I mean, just J-Mac was a guy who showed up and showed out every week. I, I loved his play. Um, you know, he was a guy um, – Obviously, Michael Orr, uh, him and I won a Super Bowl together. Playing with him, he was a dude that brought it. Uh, they played him out of position, put him in, put him in positions where he was bound to fail. And I mean, but that goes with the coaching, um, you know. So those those were those were dudes, man. Where you know, obviously Delaney, you know, I knew Delaney was going to show up and show out no matter what, um, man. But I, I think I, you know, Jarrell Casey's a good player. He's a heck of a player. I thought, you know. During my time with the Tennessee Titans, as much as you don't want to get rid of Casey, I thought they should have traded Casey and got, you know, a true 3-4 uh, true, true guy and then draft picks for Casey because Casey is a 4-3 dude. You know, Casey is, is special. Can he get to the quarterback? Yes. But he's going to have more plays where he break if he broke things down and didn't help the defense because he widened the hole because he's such a pass rusher and he can get to the quarterback. But if they run the ball when you pass rushing, it was just all bad and we saw you know gaps will be wide open. But you know those are it's it's only a couple guys and it's not to be mean, 
Um, but that was just that that was what it was. And um, but obviously you can see they they turned the corner, they got some players. Uh the Brown kid at linebacker, I really like him. Got a lot of good players, man. So um we'll see how they how they get ready uh for this crazy season. Uh we'll see how how uh, how they finish up. They might not be done acquiring top talent either, Bernard, because there's one Jadavian Clowney still out on the free agent market. And a lot of there's a lot of buzz. There's a lot of buzz involved, you know, surrounding him and the Titans. I don't, hey, Jay, I, hey, <laughs> I didn't think that – I could be wrong. I didn't think they were signed by him. Now, we know they gave him a lot of freaking money. Um, I don't think – I don't think Jadavion Clowney, I don't think they're willing to go uh, – The I, I, don't, I don't think they're willing to take that role. I, I don't know. I, I, you want – with a player like that – you want to be able to go, but just this organization, I don't know if they're willing to jump all in there. If they do, I think it'll be a good sign. I don't know if he's going to make them consistently better. I think, you know, he's going to disrupt a lot of what they're doing. I think you need to let Seattle sign him or another team. I don't know if I would want to bring that in, in, in this locker room because they're going. it's going to be a difference. And, oh. and so I don't know. Bernard, I have to correct you before we go. You've you've called me Jay and Jake. I am Jack, but it's okay. No, I said Jay. You know, no, okay. Jay. I Jay. no and I'm oh, and I'm, I'm now. I got a nickname. I'm now yeah. calling you Jay oh, from here yeah. on out, Jack. Okay. I, I was gonna cool. I was gonna bring that up after the interview. Cool. I am okay. I am I only calling sure. you Jay from here on out. That is that is so much cooler than Jack. <laughs> and Bernard, let me ask you one more thing, and then we'll, we'll get you out of here because we are up against it. What? You're in a locker room, and a, you bring in a player like Vic Beasley, one year, $10 million, and he isn't showing up. He isn't talking to the team for a couple of days. What are you thinking as a teammate? I mean, for me, we got to understand that that's his business. Um, you don't ever speak against another man's business. Um, but then at the same time, this kind of goes back to some of the signings and the decisions that they've made as ownership. We have to know who we're going after. You got to do due diligence, right? We got to know who we're going after. I didn't think he was a guy they should have went after. And he's showing he's a guy they shouldn't have went after. And this is why I'm saying when it comes down to Jadavion Clowney, you're dealing with this almost the same mentality, if not worse, because now you're going to be paying Jadavion Clowney that much more money. So when, you know, we want guys to get paid a lot of money, but you got to understand when you release that check, when you release that number figure, that dollar figure, it's you are releasing power to a player. And when, when they feel like they can do and say whatever they want, and then they don't have the credentials or whatever, and you know, that, that, or the leadership that's going to justify that dollar figure. Of course, the talent is amazing, but we got to understand with, if you got untamed talent, and you got guys that, that, that are not willing to buy in or do this or do that or leave. You're just paying somebody. You're throwing money away. And so I, I just – with, with that situation with Beasley, man, I, I feel, you know, I, I feel bad uh, for the organization uh, because I, I believe he was a piece that they're counting on to come in and to help bolster that pass rust, that run defense, um, you know, and try to, to – to, he's a piece that they were looking to come in and replace – um, but right now, we got to understand, this is starting out on a bad leg, mm -hmm. right? The relationship are starting out on a bad leg. They paid them. They ain't heard from them. The check was cut. Buddy ain't nowhere to be found. So it's just looking like as a teammate, you look like, I know for me, can I trust you? 
I can't trust I can't trust you to be here. They gave you the money. I can't trust you to be here. So now can I trust you gonna know and understand what you're doing? Can I trust you working out, doing what you're supposed to be doing? So that way when you come here, you're not just gonna be on IR or, or injured reserve or or be you know in a tent just on a bike, you know, trying to prove a point. We don't know what's going on, but that's what's going on in my head as a player, as a leader, when you see guys like that fully mess like this. My goodness. I think we need to bring Bernard on as a third co-host of this podcast. I would love uh, it. Dude, it's is just fire. With Like, literally, for as good as you were on the football field, might be that much better on, on, on the podcast. Now, my final question before you get out of here. Bernard Pollard, in his prime, whatever season that may be, the best year of your career, you're, you're playing safety – you're you're um, you know approaching the line, and a hole opens, and in comes Derrick Henry. Who's winning that battle? I'm gonna knock the piss. Out of you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, look, I don't shy away from contact. He's a guy. Obviously, he has been he has been superb. He has done. He has done so much better than I thought he was going to do in the, in, in, in the league. Uh, he is a guy that's led this football team. He's a big dude, but I know who I am. Uh, they changed a lot of rules because of the things that I did, the way that the, I played. The Brady true. rule. Yeah. He's running. He runs high. He doesn't really drop. You know, he, he doesn't drop shoulder like he should. I'm putting all of this right there on him. And I'm not even breaking stride. I'm running through but, him. But what about the stiff arm? The, you know, like he's got arms that are like – Inspector Gadget thinks he has long arms. I've been stiff arm one time. That was, that was Sanu, and it didn't happen again. I made him pay for it the next drop. <laughs> so I'm not – I'm coming down. He can't stiff arm me downhill. So, you know, I'm not coming in from the side. I'm going to make him feel – look, he might play at 235 pounds. I played at 230. Yeah. So I'm running through. Right. Well, Bernard, I, you, you can't lead. You can't lead with your helmet anymore. You know that. I think you may be the reason why why that's a rule because of what you did <laughs> yeah. to force Stephen Ridley in the AFC Championship game. Yeah. Well, hey, hey, that's a 15 yard penalty that we gonna take because I'm gonna let the sideline and all the 11 uh, the other 10 players know we ain't here to play. So we take the 15. I didn't. I, we've taken them before. Right. That right there, we set the tone with that hit. Right. And Earl Thomas said the same thing, too. Um, and it went, <laughs> no, no. Hey, I'm, I'm not, hey, I'm not Earl. <laughs> no, you're not. You are not. And I will, and I will, I have your back on that one. You, without question. <laughs> and, yeah, because you turned your, uh, probably your geotags off on uh, Snapchat, too. So you're, you're definitely not Earl Thomas in more ways than one. <laughs> Bernard. Well, hey, man, you wrong for that. <laughs> <laughs> Bernard, you are the man, dude. We we got to get you back on here again. This is this has been so awesome, and just just talking football with you, really. And we only scratched the surface over how much we could talk about. And we appreciate your candidness and just Absolutely. your ability uh, to to join us, man. That it's been so much fun for us. Hey, man. Hey, thank you guys for having me. Let me know, man. And uh, hey, middle of the season, beginning of the season, at the end of the season, let me know. We're going to talk football, baby. Let's deal. do it. Deal. At CrushBoy31 on Twitter. He is the Blackdale Earnhardt, the Thomas Edison. Uh, the, black, the, black, the Blackdale Jr. The Black Blackdale Jr. Jr. Yeah, Blackdale right. Jr. Because, right, you're still alive. Uh, oh, no. Sorry. No, oh, gosh. That was awful. I didn't, oh, no, I didn't mean man. it like that. I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> I did oh, not. Guys, we just I lost all of our NASCAR fans. I didn't right mean there. that disrespectfully. Uh, I meant that just 
in more of a literal sense. All right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Bernard, Bernard Pollard, Fort Wayne, Indiana's finest dude. Thanks so much, dude. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, Bernard. There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle. Tennessee has pulled a miracle. That was one of the most fun interviews we've done. Do you agree, Jay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it took me a while. I kept I kept thinking he was calling me Jake, but um, <laughs> no. So that was I, awesome. the whole time the whole time he was calling you Jay, I was thinking I was I thinking was like, I have to I have to start calling you Jay now. Like I, that's just what I'm gonna do. Even in the pre-interview, like you know, dialogue where we're just going back and forth. Hey, what's going on? Um, he called me Jay initially. And I was like, "Do we already have a, a, a nickname for me?" Yeah. Because like I, I'm, I like we're it's comfortable and everything, but like I didn't know like I, I just immediately had a nickname because like, he didn't call Did, you a. Right, take it and run with it. I'm I'm kind of jealous to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm jealous that I I had no nickname. In fact, he, I don't even think he referenced me. I don't think he said my name or anything. <laughs> I don't. He has no idea who I am. He at least knows you're Jay, and that's that's badass. That I would was, put that on my resume if I was you. That was so fun, though. Oh, he was so forward and honest and open about his experiences, not only in college but in the pros, and especially with the Titans in a locker room that was that was very shaky when he was in town. Um, he pulled no punches when it came to Taylor Lewan. I don't know if yeah. Taylor Lewan will will like to listen <laughs> to what he had to say. I'm sure. I'm sure Taylor will take that in stride and not uh, say anything or definitely or subtweet at all. He definitely <laughs> won't make it a bigger deal than it is. Um, no, no. But he talked about Vaccaro. He's a big Vaccaro guy. He loves Jalen yeah. Brown, AJ Brown as well. He he's a little worried that the Titans can't keep this up. Um, which I mean, three years and nine and seven. It's hard to figure the Titans out, but you. you this is as good as you feel coming into a Titan season in a while, but he brings up right. good points as to why, hey, it's not all, you know, it's not all peaches and cream over on this side. And uh, he, he's really, he was a really great interview. And I know Bernard Pollard can kind of be somewhat of a lightning rod to Titans fans because of just things he said. He's very outspoken, obviously, as you heard in the interview, but he's very outspoken, especially about the Titans. And he said some things online before just to, about the franchise but frankly i i don't hold any of that against him at all because you know as as i alluded to in the interview like that it it was a different culture and it was a different franchise back then than it is right now things have gotten better Uh, i mean dare i remind you of like the late bud adams years of this franchise and how stalemate and just just it, it felt like groundhog's day with every week going out and he was one of the guys that came in from the outside and started to change that culture. And maybe it was through complaining or just through, you know, just through talking to other guys about what it's like outside the walls of, you know, of one Titan way or whatever the Titans address is, you know, and you know how you and I talk a a lot about how Marcus Mariota made the difference, uh, you know, like kind of was that bridge from the bad Titans to the good Titans? Yes. Well, I think the foundation of that bridge that Marcus Mariota was, was laid by Delaney Walker's first years and, um, and, and Bernard Pollard. Like, I think they, they had a huge role in turning the, the, what was the Titanic, a sinking ship and turning it around, which a big ocean liner like that, you know, takes a long time to turn. And he did it. Yeah, in the NFL as a franchise, you don't go from the basement to the penthouse in three years. It's going to take a couple of those veteran guys to kind of bridge 
each team and kind of evolve each team as time goes on and progresses and culture change starts to take place. And that was really important for the Titans to get guys like Bernard Pollard, who had won a Super Bowl and had played on the Ravens um, with a great defense. And there, there was a solid culture already built in there that he got to take, he got to pull from and bring to the, the Titans where he got them a new sauna, a new steam room. Yeah. And on top of that, right. you know, they brought in Jarrell Casey, they brought in the right pieces. And as time went on, they they kind of got better and better, got the bad people out, the good brought good people in, looking at you, Ken Wisenhunt, get the hell out of town. <laughs> um, and, and so and, and to where now it's they're making a lot of the right moves and are, are kind of closing that gap on on the really strong NFL cultures that, that they're they're now competing with. They're now competing with the Chiefs, competing with yeah. the Ravens, competing with the Patriots. So it, it's good. It, he he really outlined on on where the Titans are going and why why it uh, it improved because if you remember when he made that comment after Delaney Walker's frustration after week three in the Titans season last year, Titans were sitting at one and two, things were looking pretty bad, um, but they managed to turn it around and he he acknowledged he admitted that he might selling the team might have been a little rash, um, and now the team's kind of headed in the right direction. Yeah, and it's funny that the th- you could argue three of the best teams in the AFC, or at least the three three of the best teams left standing in the AFC last year, Chiefs, Ravens, Titans, all of which former employees of mm-hmm. Bernard Pollard, even Texans, really, because they were yeah, the Texans, last they were the last four teams in the AFC. Texans really should have beaten the Chiefs for being honest, right? Right. So Bernard Pollard, I would say he I, he has been a foundation uh, of success, turning a lot of those franchises around. Which has been he, he's just I, I really like Bernard Pollard. I have I had respect for him going into the interview. I have a new found respect, even deeper rooted than I did before after getting a chance to talk to him. Speaking of podcast interviews, Isaiah Wilson, Titans first round draft pick, went on. Uh, some podcast called Bustin' with the boys. I don't know. It's apparently it's a couple of football players that host a podcast. Uh, you don't need to go listen to it. Just get all your Titans Titans talk on this podcast if you want. Um, but no, he went on uh, Taylor Lewan and um, Will Compton's podcast, Bustin' with the boys, and told a really funny story about Jim Harbaugh uh, and the recruiting process. Um, Jack, d- kind of give us the uh, the cliff notes of uh, of his story. Oh, I gotcha. So on this past week's Bustin' with the Boys, Will Compton and Taylor Dewan brought on not only Isaiah Wilson, Big Panda, but Jamil Douglas as well, another offensive line mate. And they were talking about Isaiah Wilson's recruitment. Well, coming out of high school, it was it was down to three teams, okay? And those teams were Georgia, where he attended college, and then you had Michigan and Alabama chasing him as well. Well, he had, he had initially committed to Alabama, but... There was one moment with Nick Saban that kind of threw a wrench into that commitment. And, and that was when Isaiah Wilson had decided, hey, Alabama's my place. This is where I'm going. This is who I want to play for. He leaned in for a hug to Nick Saban where Nick Saban, you know, the sentimental guy he is, throws out his right hand for a handshake. <laughs> and and uh, soon thereafter, Isaiah Wilson announced his decommitment from the University of Alabama. And, wow. And, and so, so it was down to Michigan and Georgia. Everyone knows how that panned out. But let me tell you how it got to that point. Yeah, how did yeah how did it pan out? So, Michigan was crystal balled at ninety one percent to land Isaiah Wilson. Ninety one percent strong. It's almost a sure thing. So Jim Harbaugh 
in I think it was twenty. What, what would it have been? Twenty sixteen. Um, come yes. or twenty fifteen, somewhere around there. Comes into comes into the Wilsons' house, fresh off Michigan signing a a deal, a uniform deal with Jordan. And what does Jim Harbaugh show up in? Full on Jordan cleats to this man's house, and that's not good for the Wilsons because they have a hardwood floor plan. And oh no! All over no. their hard- he's he's walking around all over their hardwood floors, scratching them all to all hell. And Isaiah Wilson yeah, just thought that was super weird. Yeah, because that's not we're not talking like rubber cleats like you would see on like a you know like a peewee football team. Shout out Brentwood Blaze, uh, like a peewee football field. Like I'm talking like like college level cleats, even really high school level cleats, and sometimes even middle school. Like you, you, these cleats are metal tipped. They are metal tipped at the bottom and like that they can do some damage. And as a hardwood floor owner myself, not to brag, that that would literally piss me off. Yeah, it, it clearly did because he he then went to Georgia. He committed to Georgia, stuck with it, played their first round draft pick. But that's not the first time we've heard of weird shenanigans coming from Jim Harbaugh in a recruitment process. Yeah, he right. Over at a kicker's house. <laughs> who, who it actually worked props to him he now kicks for michigan and he's not bad um, well yeah i, I you, but let's talk about why it probably worked if if a if a coach was recruiting you and spent the night at your house i would be scared to go anywhere else <laughs> <laughs> true that would be that yeah that's true because he already knows where you live right right um, he knows how to get in too no but but there's another instance i mean he i went to ole miss so and I was there for the Hugh Freeze situation. So right after Freeze got fired, the players were granted permission to transfer wherever and be immediately eligible. So Harbaugh gets on the first plane out of uh, Ann Arbor and, and comes down to Oxford, and he decides to go after Shea Patterson. And oh, a yeah. other guys, and Shea Patterson ended up going to Michigan. But that's not the that's not the point here. That's not the the moral of the story. Uh, the meat and potatoes here comes in the in the part where Jim Harbaugh decided to take them in his big recruiting pitch to IHOP where they would sit around and watch Jim Harbaugh drink glasses of milk. <laughs> Just the weirdest guy. And I completely get where Isaiah Wilson was coming from there. Was it free pancake day? <laughs> uh, it must've been. Uh, Cause it's hard. It's hard to, for me to, uh, as a college student to sit down with someone so weird and uh, already with sleepover history, you know, you, you kind of got to watch your back and, and uh, have eyes in the back of your head when Harbaugh's around. Yeah, you know what it is. It's probably it's probably that boysenberry syrup uh, at IHOP is what <laughs> <laughs> Jim Harbaugh was like. Yeah, I just look. I have a I have a craving right now. Jim Harbaugh strikes me as a, like a like a like a pregnant woman as a head coach. Where if he just gets a if if he gets a a, a knack for like if he needs to a, a flavor. It, it, like uh, what is it? what's the word I'm looking for? A craving. If he gets a craving for something, he just has to go out and get it right then and there, no matter where he's at, even if he's on a recruiting trip with a player. Um, Jim Harbaugh is a weird dude. The yeah, the milk. He also drinks milk with steak too, which is just not the most punishable combination in human history. That that should be honestly illegal and. Not only should he be thrown in jail, he should be thrown under the jail, and the key should be thrown far away. Not yes. by Shea Patterson, because it wouldn't go very far. Yeah, no, it would not go very far. Shea Patterson, God love him, man. He 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 kicked ass at Ole Miss, and then he somehow regressed when oh, man, going to— 
he got benched at Ole Miss for Te'amu and got all pouty and then transferred up to Ann Arbor where Jim Jim Harbaugh just handed him the job and he went oh, you out mean, and won the no big games. You mean St. Louis Battlehawk Te'amu, Jordan Te'amu? <laughs> yeah, he's on the Chiefs now. <laughs> right. Not to brag again. Uh, the um, All right. So, that yeah, Jim Harbaugh is just a total – I don't use this word very often. Actually, I probably use it more often than I should, but he's just a total doofus. Um, so now, um, let's talk some kickers because there's nothing more exciting to talk about on a football podcast than kickers. Kickers uh, talk, let's go. Right. Look, if you're a, if you're a longtime subscriber to this podcast, which if you're not, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, rate and review, uh, but don't, don't review it if you've got bad things to say, like uh, King Lewis thirties. Um, no, but if, if rate, uh, if you've subscribed to this podcast, you know Jack and I, we we have a big take and the, probably the most important position for the Titans this year and really every year is the backup quarterback position. They don't have that slot filled. We've spent a lot of time talking about that. A position that we've spent a little bit of time talking about, but not as much as we should, at least now, especially with, with camp starting up. This position is still pretty much vacant i mean yeah there's um it, the the slot is technically filled but i don't think it's filled with anyone that will give anyone a sense of security from that kicker position with that said there are a lot of free agent kickers available that i think would help bring a sense of security to every titans man mind and we wanted to kind of go through those naturally with jack and i you know this is a very pro brett kern podcast Love normally Brett we Kern. normally we would say just let Brett Kern kick field goals, but you know he's like the Faberge egg in risky business. Like you have to, we have to be very careful with him. I don't want anything to happen to Brett Kern, the, the legend, coffin Kerner, the coffin Kerner. We need to keep him intact. So let's just leave him, keep him to punting. But there are guys out there. And I'm just going to run down this list. Uh, free agent kickers that are currently available. Graham Gano. I say Graham good. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Steven Gotzkowski. More like uh, Steven Gotz to have him. Uh, oh. Sorry. These are terrible. <laughs> Kai Forbath. Titan should be saying hi Forbath or, uh, or, or more like Kai for boys, the boys. All right. These are terrible. Uh, there's also <laughs> what happened? You're falling apart. Who, who's the last one? Come on, go ahead. Get it over with. Ryan suck up. And to that, I just say, no, thanks. Yeah. yeah you can't go back to him. There, no, there's also, also, also Nick Folk, which I had uh folk. No, uh, cause I don't want yeah, him either. Folk knows um, good. You say you saved your best one for last. Really? <laughs> so, okay. All right. I, I'll lead with it that time. All but right. Next time. These are all definitely kickers that have names. So they have that going for them. They're also the kickers. <laughs> They're also the kickers that you always hear about being free agents. They kind of just are passed around from team to team. Um, no one really finding long-term success, although they started their careers with some. Each of yeah. these guys really did. Um, but but it just hasn't it just hasn't worked out for them lately, and that's kind of how it goes. Once you lose your first job, it, it's hard to stick on, on your second team. Suckup found a way to do it with, with the Titans. Yeah. Coming from the Chiefs, yeah. but that's and- not normal. And Suckup did have some good years with the Titans. Like, he was, he was great, and he was serviceable, and – Definitely filled the need uh, that the Titans had. But the Titans have not had sustainable success at the kicker position since, really, 
uh, Rob Baronis, like pre Ryan Suckup, like it's Suckup just been, great, but but not not like not the guy. They haven't had the guy right. that you can trust and stick with, and you know you can count on in, in cr- clutch situations. Yeah, exactly. And so um, I, I kind of wanted to run through these guys. Um, we'll start with Graham Gano. For me, uh, Graham Gano is obviously he spent uh, the last what probably like six years or something in Carolina. He only missed three field goals over his last two seasons with the Panthers, two of which were 50 plus yards away. And he had, last year he hit a long of 63 yards and he was perfect from the 40 to 49 range. To me, he is the best available free agent right now. now and I'm, he, he didn't finish with the Panthers last season, did he? Uh, I not sure. I think I'm Justin not. Sly finished with the Panthers. Oh no, Graham did not play a full season last year. I know that okay. for sure. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know if I don't know if it was an injury or what, but um, but yeah. No, so I, that to me, that to me is a is a guy that I, I would like. I would like the Titans to at least. I mean, this is like one of those things where it's like just bring him in for a workout. Yeah, Greg least. Joseph. You want to you want to give Greg Joseph as much competition as you can. Now, is Graham Gano the guy I would like to see out there week one? I'm not so sure about that. Um, but 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 he's definitely been on the Panthers teams where they've been in high pressure situations where it's it, it's it's win or lose kick scenarios. And yeah, he, he's proven that he can make them. Uh, not not all of them, but I mean, who can really? And he'd be he'd be God's gift to headline writers in the Tennessee area to the journalists of the world. You know, the, like the they, good guess. Is, is so many puns you could you could hit it off of, yeah. Um, Steven Gotzkowski, obviously Gotskowski he's watch. This is Gotzkowski watch. Yeah, this is yeah, Jack. This is your time to shine. Obviously, probably the most famous, like the biggest name on the list because of his time spent with uh, the New England Patriots. Um, he was uh, he was let go, and he only played four games last year, but was seven for eight. Um, Again, this is this is a name, and he's a little bit older, but it's a name that I would like to see the Titans at least, you know, take a look at. Yeah, for sure. He, he's he's won Super Bowls. He's made extremely big kicks, and he's kind of following that trend that's starting to happen. Uh, the Patriots come to Nashville now. It's been happening for a while, but like the good Patriots coming to Nashville. So so Logan Ryan, Malcolm Butler. And in Goskowski would be great. He has, he's already bought a house in Franklin. Uh, yeah, there's, yeah, there's, yeah. There's a lot of evidence pointing towards a potential Goskowski signing. Right, and let's let's be real. If you're a Titan, you're probably living in Franklin. Like that's the Brentwood Franklin area. That's just the hotbed for Titans. So he's already got that down. Like his the first step of becoming a Titan, he's got it. So I don't if know. You're, if I, you're a fringe roster guy, you definitely are probably finding yourself in Green Hills. Yeah. Yeah. Just so closer so, to the airport, you know. Right. So anyone anyone at Frothy Monkey down there in uh in Franklin or uh maybe going to Franklin Mercantile, keep an eye out for Steven Gotzkowski. And if you see him around, say, Hey, look, well, you know, well, I guess he he wouldn't give the Titans a call. The Titans would have to call him, but just say, Hey, Fourth we, issue. We maybe he calls the Titans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah, just be forward. Hey, yeah, just tell him just say, hey. Yeah, just say, Hey, hey, Steve. You can call him Steve. Trust me. Uh, just say, hey, Steve, go call the Titans. <laughs> um, and then finally on the list, Kai Forbath. Um, I, I, he's, he's number three on my, on my personal list. Uh, 
I, I yeah, bring him in. Kai Forbath, I would like if you're going to bring in Kai Forbath, like I'm sure there are some um like uh guys on YouTube with like trick shot videos that you could also call in to bring. Um, Kai Forbath is the band-aid version of a kicker. And what I mean <laughs> by that is whenever somebody else's kicker gets hurt, Kai Forbath's the first call and he's not going to stick with your team more than 4 or 6 weeks. No, he's just yes. not. And, and and that's what kind of what he is. His his last huge kick he made really was uh, in in the playoffs. I think in 2018 he hit like that a 53 yarder against the Saints to kind of keep them in that game. Um, eventually for the Minneapolis Miracle, which I'm not a fan of that nickname. There's only one Miracle, and don't don't use the Music City Miracle, miracle right. as kind of the rip off there. But no, he made a, he made a big kick there. Um, he's missed some big kicks in his past as well. A little shaky, uh, which is why he is the kicker version or the band-aid version of a kicker. Yeah. Kai Fort. Yes. And you're right. And I think like he would have fit in perfectly with last year's Titans when suck up was down <laughs> with, uh, you know, like the Cody Parkey crew where there's like, just like that revolving door they had at kicker until suck up came back. And then when, even when suck up came back and sucked, they, the door continued to revolve in fact, now that I think about it, are we sure Kai Forbeth wasn't a Titan last year? Because <laughs> <laughs> who wasn't, right? Right. Well, I'm sure. So, Ky- I'm sure Cairo Santos was. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, Cairo. Um, all right. So um, yeah. So that's that's just kind of a quick quick talk about some kickers. It it is very important. Let's make that. You know, like it's it's obviously like the last position you pick on your fantasy football team, but on your real football team, I it's it's more important than people would l- allow you to believe. Um, so right. I'm, I'm really hoping that the Titans do bring in a little bit of competition for Greg Joseph. Look, this is not saying that Greg Joseph should not be the Titans starting kicker. I'm just saying, I do think challenges are good. And you're seeing that you're, uh, Greg Zerloin reason Kai Forbath is available is because he, Greg Zerloin came out and beat him out for the, the Cowboys starting kicker. So, uh, I just I think challenge is good and to have options is is even better. Um before we get out of here uh <laughs> noticed last the other night on Twitter that there was a little bit of a a beef between A to Z member and a midday 180 member. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute. A to Z, midday 180. It's not that did easy. Tight, did the Titan Up boys finally go after Jay Hutton? Yes, we did, but he didn't bite. But <laughs> we're talking about a different uh, A to Z versus midday 180 beef that I never expected. I never expected it to be these two guys. Like, if I honestly would have thought it was us versus Jay Hutt because Jay Hutt sucks. Or and, even uh, Kaharski against us would be more a more likely. Yeah, match. sure. Yeah, that's that. That one's yeah, extremely believable. But this one was Chad Withrow Uncle versus Chad, Uncle Chad Withrow. That's right. For a uh, f- friend of the podcast, former guest on this show, Ch- Uncle Chad Withrow versus Alex Alex Darty. The issue was over Alex Doherty's tweet. We'll we'll, we'll say Alex Doherty because I think that's how it's pronounced. Um, he tweeted he maybe maybe overreacted in the Preds exhibition win against the Stars on Thursday, um, and kind of kind of threw a shot at the it's just an exhibition crowd where the game really doesn't mean anything until the playoffs and well. The, the Preds, of course, dropped their first game, and everyone's upset, mainly Chad Withrow. And Uncle Chad, who we love, we appreciate for coming on the podcast. We can't go yeah. too hard against him, but 
he this one particular quote tweet he sent out um, said that he's not the one to be effed with, and I, I that's how he phrased it, effed with. And yeah, wait, wait, can you yeah read the whole tweet because okay. it was uh, yeah, it's like because someone said you know man like people really do get their panties in a wad right. or something. And here's the here's the tweet it, verbatim from Chad Withrow's Twitter account. I'm not one to be effed with. When will they learn? Triple question mark. <laughs> That's it. You know, when are, hey, this is a question for all of you listening. When are you guys going to learn? Uncle Chad Withrow is not one to be effed with. And I, I, look, here's, here's where I stand on this beef. Um, I'm not, I, I'm a locker room guy, so I can't go against Alex Doherty. Uh, sure. I'm, I'm a podcast guy, so I don't want to go against Chad Withrow. Understood. Um, but I respect and love the Nashville sports talk radio scene too much to sit <laughs> idly by and let the Nashville sports talk radio's bad boy, Chad Withrow, have a Twitter profile picture using a black and white filter. What the hell, Chad? Look, you I'm okay with you <laughs> taking that title. You can have that title as Nashville sports talk radio's bad boy, but let's get a profile picture that really says it. You know, you're wearing a, a nice little country club polo in it as well. Let's, Let's add yeah. some grit to that. Let's maybe throw on a bandana, yeah. prison Mike style. Oh, I, yeah, no, you're 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 hitting this take on the head, Jack. It, Chad, Chad, you're better outside of the film noir look. Okay, we don't need we don't need this uh, this Three Stooges television show uh, level of uh, filter put on your photos. You are a colorful guy. You need to have color in said profile picture. And it's it's time that you show that, and because because really, Chad Chad plays an important role in the city of Nashville. You can love him, you can hate him. If you're a Vandy fan, I'm sure you hate him. If you're a Tennessee fan, I'm sure you love him. But he plays an important role in Nashville because obviously Nashville is a city full of transplants. It's rare these days to find someone in Nashville who is from Nashville. But you know how you become a true Nashvilleian. It's not through driver's license or anything you can get done at the DMV. It's by starting a beef with Chad Withrow. <laughs> that is how you officially become a Nashvilleian. And Chad, we can't have you representing Nashville without a color profile picture. We're all we want you to be that. We are we are campaigning for you to be Nashville Sports Talk Radio's bad boy. But you got to sure. help us out, Chad. You're you're, yes. make, you're cutting. You're making us do too much work for you. We, yeah. we will gladly be your campaign manager as you as you fight for this title and, and the crown and the throne, but you got to help us out a little bit. Let's right. change that profile picture. Yes. Not to make this all about us, but you're making the rest of us look bad, Chad, with, by, by calling out beef when you're, you know, you're, you're adding the, uh, a black and white or even sepia tone. Don't even think about going to sepia tone. Cause that's just ridiculous. I just no filter, just go color, maybe even up the saturation in the photo. If you need to, like let's just add some color to it chad because you're representing all of us and if you're going to be the bad boy we need you to be the bad boy okay not the instagram influencer bad boys go no filter if you took nothing from this podcast please take that bad boys go no filter let that be the biggest takeaway from this episode that featured Bernard Pollard, some great uh, Jim Harbaugh slander, and some kicker talk. Bad boys hold no filter. Guys, 
Follow Tighten Up Podcast on Twitter at Tighten Up Pod. Follow us on Instagram at Tighten Up Podcast. You can hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Austin Huff. Jack is Jack A. Gentry on Twitter. Hit him up. Give him a follow. Um, and uh, and for all of your sports needs, hit up A to Z Sports on uh, on on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, uh, uh, Periscope. Just literally any anywhere you can find social media. A to Z Sports is on there at A to Z Sports, and you can hit up, check out the website at uh, www. I don't know why I said www. Who says www anymore? Only old people say that. A to Z Sports Nashville dot com is the website to go to. Jack, you got anything for the road? Yeah, uh, one thing we really appreciate Bernard Pollard coming on. Obviously, he wanted us to plug BP thirty one training. That is, yeah. he, trains, he trains DBs around the mid state. Um, I believe his is. His family is a big woodland school, so I think he does a bunch of those guys as well. Um, if you have a kid, if you are a kid, and you know defensive back is an interest, hit BP thirty one training up. Yeah, how awesome would that be to freaking get training from literally a, a an NFL great? I'll say it, the bone Super Bowl champion. Yeah, the bone crusher. He literally, literally the only human being to ever physically stop Tom Brady. <laughs> Just saying. You could learn from him. Uh, BP31 training. Is that, am I correct? BP31 training. Okay. So check that out. And that's um, our plug. Right. Bad boys hold hold no filter. Bad boys go no filter. Go no filter. Bad boys go no filter. Let that, always remember that, guys. <laughs> hashtag, hashtag bad boys go no filter. I'm Austin Huff. That's Jack Gentry. Uh, until next week. Tighten up. They're the Tennessee Titans. They're the Tennessee Titans. They'll keep on fighting.